Thank you for listening to a Sunday morning sermon from Christ Church of Orinoco. For more information about these sermons or about Christ Church in general, visit us online at ccochurch.com. And now, here's this week's sermon. Good morning, church. Let's open our Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. As Paul mentioned a little bit earlier in kind of setting up the theme for the day, we're going to be spending the next nine weeks in this very important chapter uh, in our New Testament. And uh, if you weren't with us last week, we know it was a holiday weekend, a lot of people traveling, a lot of people staying up late, blowing things up. And so if you weren't here, we want to tell you what we covered last week as a preamble. We looked at Psalm 14. It has that famous verse in it that says, A fool says, In their heart there is no God. And part of our focus has been to looking at what evidence there is in creation to reveal that this world just didn't happen, that there's a process by which it came into being, and that there's a purpose behind that process. And so uh, uh, as we set this up, we're going to be looking at this concept of faith and looking at what that faith means. That faith is a word we use quite often in church. Uh, it's a word that I don't think we totally understand, including myself, Uh, because we attribute it to many different parts of what we are as believers. But we're going to be spending the next nine weeks looking at how the Bible defines faith, what it looks like to live that out and to experience it. Uh, Let me give you the background of Hebrews chapter 11 so that we understand what we're talking about and where we're going. First of all, the author is unknown. Uh, there's, we don't know, normally the author will put Paul, an apostle sent by Jesus or something in the beginning, but this author doesn't. The audience that this is being written to would have been Hebrew Christians, those that grew up Jewish. It wouldn't have been for those of us that are Irish or French or whatever. It would have been those that grew up in the Hebrew lifestyle and the Old Testament background. And the author spends the first 10 chapters of this particular book stating to us that Jesus is greater than anything you've ever trusted to save you before. That's what the first 10 chapters are about, if I can oversimplify it. That Jesus is more powerful than angels, that he's more powerful than the prophets, he's more powerful than Joshua or Moses, or he, he goes through all the lists of anything a Jew would have held on to as their saving means. This author says, no, the new covenant is greater than anything you've ever trusted in the past to save you. And when we understand that now, I want to go and kind of have, in a very simple message, I want to walk us through some of the components of faith as we begin this series. Because we'll be looking at people whose lives have demonstrated faith and what that demonstration looks like and how it's a progressive thing, how it grows and expands and builds on our previous faith is like a muscle. The more we exercise it, the more it grows and the more it allows us to do. So as we look at that, we want to define what is this concept of the new covenant. What does it mean? Okay, the new covenant replaced the old covenant because the new covenant was fulfilled by Jesus. That's the first thing I want us to all realize. The new covenant did not say the old covenant was worthless. It just meant that everything the the old covenant was building us toward, the new covenant in the blood of Christ on Calvary and the power of the resurrection took all of that and made it no longer our saving effort. In other words, when Jesus said on the cross, his last words were, it is finished. He was speaking about the sacrifices needed in the Old Testament covenant. He was talking about the things that they held on to, that they believed that they needed to do. So if you're a Jew and you're hearing this, all of your traditions were messed up. Now traditions in and of themselves aren't a bad thing. Our Christmas holiday traditions, our Thanksgiving traditions, college football Saturday traditions, those are important. 
I mean, those are like life-sustaining important. But there's other habits we have, and the reason we have habits is so we can disconnect our minds. Okay, little confession, and please be aware, God is watching. How many of you were like me, and it took a couple of days to remind yourself that church doesn't start at the same time it always should? Right, how many of you had to back up and say, okay, when do I get up to be able to make it there on time? God's watching. Okay, excellent. I had a dream last night that I missed church, and uh, yeah, and so habits allow us to be mindless. Have you ever driven to work and you don't remember any of the turns you made? If you used your turn signal, have you ever touched your brake? It's because we become patterned to do certain things. So if you're a Jew, you've been patterned to make sacrifices, ritual washings. You've been patterned to uh, celebrate certain festivals. And now Jesus comes in and says, all of that which focused your attention on your need for God, all of that has been fulfilled in me now. It's a new covenant. Our faith is in the work Jesus did, not in what you and I produce. Our faith cannot be in our habits and our rituals. It can't be in the things that we say make us who we are. And here's why. Because Hebrews 11.6, if you want to look at it in your Bibles, Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. No way, no chance. There is nothing you and I do or produce that pleases God if it's not done by faith. So it's, under, it's important to understand what faith is and what it isn't. It was September 29, 1974. It was a Sunday morning, and I made a profession of faith about Jesus. Uh, I remember that morning being very excited to, to make this profession, so I sat in the second row, away from all my family. And so my walk to the front of the church back in the day at the invitation was one row. I took a step out. I took one step forward. The preacher met me up front. Uh, said, this is Marilyn and Dale's boy, Mark, and Mark has something he wants to confess. And my preacher asked me this question. My dad was waiting to baptize me. My preacher asked me this question. He said, do you believe Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God? And I said, I do. And I made that profession of faith. However, we all must understand that historic moment when I stepped into faith was the beginning, not the culmination. There are too many people who made a profession of faith somewhere many years ago at a historic moment in time, and that's all they've ever done is say one time, I believe. I want us to understand with no shame, that's not faith. Faith is not something you once did. Faith is something you constantly do. It is a perpetual thing. It is a thing that pleases God. You cannot please God in 1974 and wonder in 2015, are we still good? Pleasing God is why I'm here. Pleasing God is why you're here. And it's not hard to please God if you live by faith, if you trust. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 4 is an Old Testament prophet. And Habakkuk said in his prophecy something that's repeated several times by the Apostle Paul and the author of Hebrews. He says, the righteous will live by his faith. A righteous person, someone who's right with God, will live by this motivating component called faith. So we should understand it. In Hebrews chapter 10, preceding this great 11th chapter of this letter to Hebrew Christians, he writes, My righteous one will live by faith, and if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. Salvation and faith is not a momentary thing. It is a perpetual thing. It is a now and forever thing. It is a growing, learning, living, experiential thing. Nod your head if that makes sense. I know we're all jacked up by 30 minutes. And now, I've been told I cannot ask how many thought they were coming to first service, but we'll, we'll worry about that another time. We'll confess those sins another day. 
The entire crux of this series is for you and I to understand what faith looks like right now, not what it looked like when we made our profession. How do we live each and every day? We're going to look at the stories of Cain and Abel, the stories of a man named Enoch. We're going to look at the stories of a man named Noah and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, all found in the 11th chapter. And we're going to go back in the Old Testament and we're going to realize their stories and we're going to experience how their faith progressed, how that muscle grew, and how they became stronger and stronger in faith by the things they did. Now, you're not saved by the things you do, but the things you do show you're saved. And they show what faith really looks like. So let's read the first three verses. We'll process those this morning and we'll go out of here with the challenge. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Pretty heavy. Let's begin in verse 1 by looking at what is the nature of faith. And I'm going to spend a majority of the morning, so if you're a timekeeper and you realize, oh my gosh, this will never end, it'll end. It has to, okay? But the biggest part of this morning is understanding what is the nature of faith and what does that mean. Faith is a very simple Greek word. We've made it really complex, but it's very simple. I'm going to give you four possible, and they're all similar, but I'm going to give you four words that faith is, uh, can work with. The first is belief, trust, confidence, reliance. Belief, trust, confidence, and reliance. Here's what I want you to know about the word faith. Faith is not in myself or my ability to believe. Faith is in the one I place it on. So it pleases God when we place our faith on him. What are we believing about God that's so important? Now, we're not just believing God is. That's important that we believe. We talked about that last week, that we see creation and realize somebody put this together. I didn't create it. It was here when I arrived, and it will be here after I leave. So if someone created it, why did they create it? So we place our faith not only in that, but we place it in two things, I believe. I'm going to oversimplify this and drive some of our Bible scholars crazy today. But on our first initial step, I want to look at it this way. Do you believe that God is a good God? And do you believe that he keeps his word? Those two principles are where we begin our walk of faith. Do I believe that God is good, he loves me, and he cares about me? Or is he some vindictive God who's trying to get even? I believe God is good, loving, and through Jesus Christ demonstrates every bit of that. I also believe that he keeps every word he's ever said. There is no untruth in him. He always tells the truth and we can trust him. And that is where I place my faith. And without faith that God is good and that he keeps his promises, we cannot please God because we call him a liar and we don't live in that trust. And we look at the nature of faith. It's belief, trust, confidence, and I really love the last one, reliance. Where does my strength come from? Who's my refuge? Who's the one that's going to hold me up when I can't hold myself up? Who can I trust when I can't trust me? I'm not good at being good, are you? And because I'm not good at being good, I might have a two-hour span, but it doesn't get longer than that. And then I go back to being me. And in this battle to overcome me, who do I place my faith in? Myself? My history? My future? No, I place it in my God who's good and can be trusted. And so when we look at this, uh, faith is accepting what God is offering us. It's not facing what we want him to offer us. And this is really important. I, I use this quite a bit in the last three or four months. I really love the line. Tim Keller said it. Dr. Tim Keller said that if you have a God who can't tell you no, you don't have a God, you're the God. 
If, if you don't have a God that, that can say no to you occasionally, or you don't have a God that can say to you you're wrong, then you really don't have a God that you want to worship. You've become the God you want to worship. And you want people to do your bidding and your will. Now, I'm not assuming any of us is intentionally trying to do that. But if we analyze our faith, what we're going to come to understand is, if faith is not what I produce, but the one that promises me, then where can my faith be? In a God who can even tell me no, or a God who can tell me to wait, or a God who can say not now, or a God who can say you're wrong. And what I want us to do in this entire series is remember that September 29th, 1974 is a very significant date for me. But it was the beginning of a life of faith. It wasn't the culmination of it. It was where I began to walk after Christ instead of asking him to walk after me. And so when we look at the nature of faith, then we look at the fact that God's words are fulfilled and he's faithful. But we're given options that are different. Let's be honest. We live in a world that says now is the God we should serve. If you're hungry eat whatever you want. If you, if you have sexual desires, fulfill those desires. How dare you be told you can't? If you, if you want this, take it. If you want that, take it. And the world promises us now. Jesus was in the wilderness, Matthew chapter 4, and he had gone 40 days of fasting and praying, seeking God at the beginning of his ministry. And on the 40th day, when his body was at its weakest, emotionally, socially, and physically, when he was at his weakest, Satan arrived and said, you could turn those stones into bread. And Jesus was tempted with one of the greatest temptations we face, to take it now and have what I want now because I deserve it, or wait for the Lord to provide. And what you'll find fascinating is he said no to the temptation of the now and he waited on his Lord and then when he awaited all the temptations it says angels came fed and ministered to him you see God is good and God will keep his promises sometimes we have to wait on the Lord and that takes faith because I don't want to wait on the Lord I want it now I want it now my 10 year old son asked me a question dad can't you fix the service change times I said, no, I'm only the senior minister. But he's like, I don't want to, I want to sleep in on Sundays. I get it. We all want what? Now. And we have a God who says, no, 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 wait. Do you know that a majority of the promises God made in the Old Testament have yet to be fulfilled? That takes faith. If you say, no, no, nine out of ten have been fulfilled, we're just waiting on the tenth. No, no, no. What if I told you two out of ten were fulfilled? I'd made that number up. So don't be looking back. No, no, two out of ten. Let's just give you a number that shocks you. Do you still believe he's good? He can be trusted. This is what the scriptures say. They say we have to hold on to those things. Notice, being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we have not seen. That's the crux of this whole series. God has said he will. Will we wait for him to do that? God has said he is. Will we wait until he reveals that completely? Or will we go for the now? Because here's the, the truth of it. We know how to wait. And we know how to trust. But it's not easy. Faith isn't easy, even though it's a simple concept. Listen to Hebrews eleven twenty six, Talking about Moses, it says, Moses regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasure of Egypt, because he was looking ahead to his reward. Uh, th- that fascinates me when you, th- when you stop and you think about it. Is that Moses could have had it now, but he chose to wait on something he never got. He died before it was received, but he knew that God would give it to him. 
He knew that God would keep his word, even when the clock was ticking and it seemed like there would be no reward at all. So here's what I want to show you, what I think is a working definition this morning of faith. Faith is making a present substance out of a future reality. Faith is a present substance out of a future reality. And you and I know how to do this. Let me explain. Imagine back when it was January or February and it was gray and it was cold and it was rainy and it was just yucky. How many of you began to imagine your next vacation sometime in July or August and you saw yourself going to the beach place and you were going to sit in the cabin with a great book and an iced tea and you were going to put your feet in the sand and in the water and you were going to hear the water and the warm temperatures? How many of you have lived a vacation before it happened? Let me go to the more practical one. How many of you knew you were going out to your favorite restaurant that evening, and at about 10 in the morning, you began to taste it already? And you began to wonder, what will I order? And how many of them will I order? And how much noise will I make while enjoying all of it? Then you wondered how long it would take before you had to undo your belt and lay on the couch and ask God to save you. How many of you have ever done that? You know how to imagine by faith a present substance out of a future reality. Remember when the doctors told you you were pregnant? Remember when you already began to hold a baby? When you began to smell the baby and rock the baby and read to the baby and pitch baseballs to the baby and you began to live a present substance out of a future reality? Church, are you with me? It is, we're wired by God to have faith. It's not a matter of can I muster up something I don't know how to do. You know how to do it every day of your life. It's just you have to ask yourself the question. When confronted with the now versus the waiting on the Lord, is God good and can he be trusted? Because without that, we'll have no pleasure in God and he'll have no pleasure in us. Uh, Paul explained it this way. Romans 8, 24 and 25. For in this hope we are saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. You see, remember I told you a little bit earlier, your habits allow you to disconnect your mind. There are still some people in this room, I believe, that are going to fight with me over and over about the concept of, I don't need faith, I need evidence. I live by evidence, I live by facts, I don't live by faith. That's not true. Every time you draw a glass of water from your faucet, you exhibit faith. Why do you drink water out of your faucet? Because it's good. It's clean. How do you know? Because I had my water tested. I go by evidence. Really? You tested the water that was in the pipes on the day you tested it. What about the water that came in afterwards? Could have been out of a mud puddle. Did you test all the pipes all the way back to its original source? Absolutely not. You learn to live by faith. You turn your mind off because you assume that things are the way they are. And you say, oh, I got you, preacher. I put a filter on my faucet to purify my water. So you have faith not in the water. You have faith in the company that built the filter. And let me ask you a question. If these people are really concerned about your health, why did they charge you for that? Why don't they just give them out to everybody? Oh, because they make money. So maybe their motivation isn't in keeping you alive. Maybe their motivation is to get your coin. Now, if you work for a water purification company, I'm just giving an example. Okay? I'm just giving an example. What I want us to understand is, We hope that the people that build our purification systems care about us. You don't know that. So you know how to live by faith, don't you? Is God good, church? Can he be trusted? Then we would live differently, wouldn't we? We put our faith in preachers. Uh Uh-huh. 
You put your faith in doctors and dentists, lawyers and politicians. Every day we put our faith in things. I'm challenging this church to begin to live today like God is good and God can be trusted in all things. Because then God will find pleasure in us and that's why we're here. 1 Corinthians one twenty one. For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Here's why we call a gathering every Sunday morning. And this is why we do it three times on a Sunday morning, so that everybody who chooses to come can come and find a place to sit and be inspired. We don't gather because this is some ritual that makes God love us. We gather on Sundays to inspire one another that living by faith matters. And here's the thing to have faith in. It's not the now of this world. It's not the promise of of power and money and sex and everything else that gives us the now. We're asking all of us to remember that the work that Jesus Christ did overcame our sin. And the now may not be as exciting as we want it to be, but the promise of God's future and the promise of what God's doing now, you and I can learn to live the present substance of a future reality. Heaven is not for when we die. Heaven starts today. It's living as God is king in all things, and we will worship him through all things. That he created this world as a gift, and we gift it back to him by the way we use it to honor him and bring him glory. That's why we're here. That's the reality of faith. It's living now like we've received everything promised. So, what is the testimony of faith? How do we know that this thing is good for us? How do we know that it works? Verse 2. This is what the ancients were commended for. Commended for by who? By God. You see, some of us picture a God who's pretty disconnected. He's just kind of disenfranchised from this world. You know, there are some people who believe that God created the world, spun it, let it spin, and off it goes. And when it stops spinning, he'll just clean up the mess and start over. That's not the God of the scriptures. When you read the stories that we're going to read and listen to the life stories, the narratives of what's been taking place, you'll know this to be true. God is a very connected God. He's pursued us before we ever pursued him. He's involved in everyone's life who lives by faith. And sometimes he asks of them and makes promises of them that are hard to follow. But if you believe God is good and you believe God can be trusted, you can walk by faith. You see, our God is an engaged father. And he, the, the heroes of the faith, if you will, found in Hebrews chapter 11, were commended by God. And they were called righteous, not because they were good. They were all sinful people. We're going to see their mistakes and their victories. But at the end of the day, they were commended by God because they trusted God when it was hard. And they trusted God each day. So what is the illustration of faith? This is where we began to talk about last week. It's found in verse 3. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Huh? What was made was made from things that weren't visible. Here's what I want you to know about creation. I absolutely believe that God created the earth. Now, you and I, can, we can argue over and over and over about how God made the earth because the Bible doesn't tell us anything about that. It only tells us who that the earth was created. And I think if you look at the evidence of earth, you'll realize that there was a master plan behind this. It wasn't accidental. The ecosystems, the various forms of animals, and how it all works together, I think you're really hard-pressed to try to prove that that was just an accidental form. And and we'll talk about that throughout this series. I'm not trying to debunk science. Remember what we talked about last week. I don't think science is a threat to faith. I don't think it is. We don't have to be stupid. 
Study the evidence. All science does is take evidence and draw theories of where that evidence takes us and how things, but it can't describe, not only can it not describe how it happened, science doesn't even try to answer the question why it happened. And that's where as believers I want us to be. If there is a creator God, which there is, and he created this earth and gave it to us, why did he give it to us? For our own consumption? For our own misuse? Or did he give it to us for something greater? And that's the challenge of faith, is to trust that the who had a why, and that the why matters. It's the same reason Jesus came to earth. Not to dominate, but Jesus came to sacrifice so that everyone would see his father. It's the same reason you and I are here. Our faith will show God. Because remember, we don't do things to be saved. We do things because we are. Because we are his. Psalm 33 speaks of a passage that most Old Testament writers will acknowledge and do. And Jesus, he acknowledges it and the New Testament acknowledges it. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made. Their starry hosts by the breath of his mouth. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. The Hebrews author says, he brought it into existence when there was nothing else. In other words, he had no materials by which to build this creation. He spoke it into being and he spoke us into being. And by the breath of his mouth, interestingly enough, the earth came into form. And by the breath of his mouth, we come to life. Have you seen the power of the God we worship? And so when we look at this, it all comes down to whether you believe the earth just began on its own or it was created by a creator, you're expressing faith. And I have to ask you one question. Which explanation best integrates all the evidence you have? An accident or a creator? Because faith begins with believing God is. And from there, we begin to walk steps of faith. Jesus said in John 7, 38, whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, Streams of living water will flow from within him. That streams of living water. So I, I want to ask you some questions this morning. And I just want to be honest. I want this to be a dialogue for the next nine weeks. I want us to think together and look at our faith and say, is my faith in my ability to believe? Or is in my faith the fact that I've always gone to church? Or is my faith in that God is good and he can be trusted? So here's a series of questions I want you to ponder. Is your prayer life void? You pray over meals and you pray when you're at church or you close your eyes, but deep down inside you have no yearning to pray. You, you have no connection. You're just kind of empty and you do it because it's a habit you've always done. It's a sacrificial system. I'm going to give God five minutes and I'm going to hope he gives me something in return. Does your, when you read the Bible, is there no juice? You read it and you don't get it. It's kind of boring and you wish you could do anything else. It's coming to church. Some of you sit here today going, I'm trying my best, but I can hardly stand coming. I come because they want me to, and you're sitting here going, I just don't think it's for me. If you're being real, every one of us struggles with that, don't we? You may look around at people that are weeping in church and raising their hands in worship and dancing in the aisles, and you look at them and you go, they've got something I don't have. No, no, you misunderstand. Those people have taken one step into the goodness and faithfulness of God. And once you experience how good he is and how faithful he is, you can't quit walking. But if you're still and you're stuck, the solution isn't anything I can do for you or anything we can do for you. The solution is to read the word of God and obey it. To seek the face of God and he will reveal himself to you. Because when you call out to God, I can't find you. That might be the most faithful step you've ever taken. 
Because if God doesn't reveal himself to us, we're all lost. So we fall on our faces before God and we say, this scares me. I'm not in charge. You are. I've got nothing. And God goes, now I can work with you. Because if you humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, he will what? He will lift you up. I'm here to tell you, faith is not scary. Faith is freeing. And Jesus said, streams of living water will replenish and quench you if you live by faith. Not by sight, not by all evidence, not by ritual. Church, we're going to walk, aren't we? We're going to walk one direction. Might as well walk after the one who knows where he's going. And this is what the challenge is. Jesus told his followers, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. He's talking about us. I used to look at the disciples and go, ah, stink. They got all of it. Miracles, Jesus, they got all of it. He fed them. He did everything. They lucked out. And Jesus goes, no, no, no. You don't understand. There's going to be a greater blessing for those of you who never saw my face, never heard my voice, and never saw me perform a miracle. But you looked at the evidence, and you realized there is a God who's good, and he can be trusted, and you placed your faith in him, and there's a greater blessing for them than even the disciples. He's good to us, isn't he? But you got to walk step by faith. One simple step. Paul said it this way, 1 Corinthians 2. However, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him, but God has revealed it to us by his spirit. It's a step. We're about to sing a song that Elijah Daly, one of our worship uh, ministers, wrote. <laughs> Beautiful song. It's new to us, and I know the tendency when we have a new song is to kind of sit there and just take it in. But listen, trust it. Risk. Watch the words. Sing the words. Hear the words. We're a people of faith, which means there are some questions we can't answer, but we know who can. There's some situations we face that we don't want to, but we know who can get us through it. There's times we want God to move, and he doesn't move, but we wait on him. We're a people who face faith with trust. This is who we are. So if you're empty, if you're lonely, if you're discouraged, or if your tail's wagging so hard you can't sit down, it doesn't matter today. Every one of us will have an opportunity this week to see the plan of God in front of us. And the question is not whether God wants us to. The question is whether will we walk by faith, please the Father, and find streams of life. Let's stand together and sing. Thank you for listening to a Sunday morning sermon from Christ Church of Orinoco. For more information about these sermons or about Christ Church in general, visit us online at ccochurch.com.